everyone, welcome to the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, as always, Scott Edwards. This week's episode, or this edition of the episode, since we don't really do this per week anymore, is a very special one. We are talking WrestleMania 13, and yes, you guessed it. No, it is not, you know, one of the other matches. It is Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. One of, if not the greatest match in WrestleMania history. And with me to talk about it today is my friend, Robbie Sutter. Robbie, how are you doing on this fine evening? I am particularly jazzed about this match. I can't say enough good things about it. As a fan of, you know, 20 plus years of wrestling, this is a match that is in my top five and it's always going to stay there you know certain matches may be there they'll shift around they may drop off the top five this is one that's going to stay there till the end of time mm-hmm. i'm a big bret hart fan personally i believe him to be one of the greatest in-ring technicians of all time i know hot take right <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing about brett is that you know when you look at his rivalries throughout the years i believe his rivalry with Stone Cold Steve Austin is his greatest. Wow. The the only one that I would even consider a counter argument would be Owen Hart. Oh, that's what to, I was going to say. Right, like it's either it's either Austin or Owen. If you're talking about like the Hitman's best rivalries. Yeah. I, I wouldn't choose another one. You know, it's it's funny you say that cuz I was going to say the other match like when it comes to Bret Hart uh WrestleMania that I love is the Owen Hart one, the opener, the greatest WrestleMania opener of all time by far. Um, it's just, you know, a match like you, like we're going to talk about how this one, you know, this one lives up to, um, you know, now, like it doesn't, it doesn't get brought down, you know, by current product or anything. It, it's, it holds its value. It's still so good. And I think, when you get a better appreciation, AK, when you get older, Bret Hart just becomes so much better as time goes on. Cause you know, it's funny when I was younger and, you know, Bret Hart had come back on TV, you know, his first time back in WWE in 12 years, I think it was officially. Um, I think so. Yeah. He did the whole hugging with Sean or whatever. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I, you know, because <laughs> I never, I never really saw him because Pretty much any DVD that I bought back then, it wasn't a Bret Hart DVD. It was like the ladder match DVD or the Elimination Chamber DVD. Because I was, a, you know, I was a kid. I wasn't thinking about these, you know, all time classic. I didn't know what an all time classic was. Uh, but you know, seeing Bret Hart and how much people cared about him, it, it, it piques your interest. It's like, okay, I mean, I've heard about him. Um, you know, he has been retired for a very long time. What? Let me go back and see. And I'm, I'm still doing it. You know, I have his book that I am starting to read. I have a slew of matches that I want to watch of his. And my goodness, like, especially as someone that has grabbed a greater appreciation just for the in-ring side of wrestling, it goes without saying. I mean, his work stands the test of time. And that's why we are talking about this match, especially in WrestleMania season, like I watched this and I watched uh, Taker versus Sean from WrestleMania 25. 
and like these are these are two of my favorites and i only got to see one of them live so i think that's telling of how great this match is it, it truly is especially when you consider the fact that it took place at wrestlemania 13 on march 23rd 1997 now Studying up for this episode, I looked back at the WrestleMania 13 card, mm. and it it kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking through the card, and it's just it's if you take this match out of it, it's a pretty unremarkable WrestleMania. Like you have, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Goldust, which is it's whatever. You have the Sultan versus Rocky Maivia for the IC title. Not, not not too exciting <laughs> the main event the main event of this show was undertaker versus psycho sid for the wwf Yikes. title which keep in mind this was before the undertaker was starting to have like those really good matches mm -hmm. later on in his career like yeah. he was still doing the the lumbering undead powerhouse where he seldom sold or had a lot of these acrobatic techniques so that was a slog to go through. If you take Brett versus Austin out of that out of that discussion, this isn't a very it's a pretty unremarkable WrestleMania. It sounds like a pretty bad WrestleMania. <laughs> nice about it, just because I want to like get into like a positive mindset because I do love this match and we're gonna get into the reasons why I love it. But to, to get a good understanding of you know how this match came about, you had to go back a year earlier to march 31st march 31st 1996 which was when wrestlemania 12 took place mm. the main event of that wrestlemania was the iron man match against Shawn michaels and then wwf champion bret hart now we're not going to go into detail about this match it's been covered ad nauseum at this point um uh hart dropped title to michaels wait wait, um, wait one second yeah. I just want to ask, what's your take on that match, real quick? Uh, good, bad, or in the middle? Like some people say, it's great. Some people say it's not so great. Where are you on that? I think it's a little overrated. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. the guys involved, their work was good. I'm not taken away from that, but I think that, given how much praise this match gets, I don't know if I can consider it one of the top five matches. Like I was talking about, it wouldn't yeah. be there. It certainly wouldn't, but. I do understand its historical significance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair. but yeah. So after that, uh, Brett took some time off, um, did some TV work. And around this time, if you were like in the know, like in the dirt sheet know, rumors circulated about uh, Brett's future with the company, whether he would stay with the WWF, whether he would stay wrestling in general. So that was something to keep an eye on when if you were in that scene around the same time however stone cold steve austin was starting to gain a little bit of traction uh, case in point uh in june 1996 he won that year's king of the ring tournament beat jake roberts in the finals cut the austin 316 promo that is played to death now and for good reason definitely a historic moment didn't immediately catapult him into a main event level but it was a lily pad to help him get to that point. Uh, fast forward to August of that year, Austin focused on Brett, who was still out at the time. Mm -hmm. Austin is in the ring. He's verbally lambasting Brett, even threatening physical violence on Stu Hart, his dad. Uh, Austin wanted to fight Brett 
and laid down the challenge of Survivor Series. Um, Hart returned later that fall, would go on to accept that challenge. Now, what's funny, at least during a short period, one of the supporting actors in this feud was Brian Pillman, who was kind of a Bret Hart cheerleader or supporter, <laughs> did not, did not, uh, did not uh, do him any favors with Austin, who proceeded to beat the crap out of him in the ring, uh, Pillmanize his ankle, you know, put the chair in, step down the chair, snap it. That would lead to the Pillman's got a gun segment where Austin tried to crash his house, but that's <laughs> another story. Maybe we can get to that another point, but anyway, a little bit of a tangent. So fast forwarding to Survivor Series of 96, they faced off with number one contendership for the WWF title on the line. This is another good match. I don't think as great as the WrestleMania match, but still very solid if you ever want to check it out. That match ended when Hart caught Austin with a surprise pinfall. Um, Austin had Brett and I think the Million Dollar Dream, which he had taken from Ted DiBiase because he had been managed by him for a bit. What a crap Hart, finisher. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it is. <laughs> Comparably so, it, to the stunner. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those. It, it's definitely a, a glow up, as the kids say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, he's in submission. Hart kicks off the middle turnbuckle, very reminiscent of his match with Roddy Piper for the IC mm-hmm. title a few WrestleManias prior, pinned him then. So uh, Brett went on to face Psycho Sid at In Your House 12, didn't win the title. This would lead to Royal Rumble the following January in 97. This is where things started to intensify between Brett and Austin. Austin entered the Royal Rumble first at number five and was very dominant at that point. Um, eliminated guys like Goldust, Jake Roberts, uh, Bart Gunn. So he was very dominant for a stretch there. So he's in the ring at one point. He's sitting on top of the turnbuckle, kind of like looking at his wrist, like he's looking at a watch. He's waiting for entry number 21 to come out. Classic. And who, and who comes out at, at 21? Bret Hart. And <laughs> I, I love the camera work still. Like you look at Austin's face and he just has this look of sheer <laughs> shock. But he almost immediately like, gets into fight mode, like, all right, let's, let's go. So the two are fighting it out in the ring and then other entrants start to file in. Now the final five competitors whittle down to Brett, Austin, Undertaker, Vader, and the fake Diesel, who would go on to become <laughs> Kane, who was previously Isaac Yankum DDS, who was previously the Christmas creature. My God, Glenn Jacobs got a lot of weird crap <laughs> when you think he about did. it you, really, you look back at his career my god but anyway well to the, if you think about it i mean kane's a weird character <laughs> yeah but that he made it work though it did it did so austin was quote-unquote technically eliminated by brett mm-hmm. but the elimination was never officially called now during this mankind and terry funk were having a brawl like on the other side of the ring officials were trying to break them up nobody none of them saw austin get eliminated austin sees this slides back into the ring never been officially eliminated austin proceeds to dump both vader and taker over the top rope hart disposes of the fake diesel hart starts to celebrate thinking he won he won the match austin immediately dumps him over the top rope (laughs) 
So Austin wins. Austin wins the rumble. Brett's arguing with the officials because he did get screwed. Uh, you know, ten. You know, obviously he did, right? Like he should be upset. But th- this was interesting because up until this point, Brett had always been a very stout-hearted wrestler. Like, yeah, he had been cheated out of victories before, but he was never really one to complain about them. He would always just move forward and try his best to, you know, gain retribution or gain a title. So the, you can kind of see where his attitude was changing. And this was followed up on the next night on Raw, who, you know, he started to complain again. He believed that he had been cheated out of the Royal Rumble victory. He believed he had been cheated out of the WWF title time and time again and proceeded to quit. And then he exited through the crowd. And Austin did not uh, take too kindly to this because as Hart was leaving, Austin storms the ring, gets in and starts accusing Brett of being a complainer ever since he had made his return. And even would dig the knife, that, that sort of proverbial knife a little bit deeper when he said, when the going gets tough, the hearts get going back home. And it's like, holy, this is getting, <laughs> it's getting good, right? This is getting yeah. really good. And you can kind of see the support turn in favor of Austin as opposed to Brett. And it's definitely telling around this time because I, I feel like wrestling fans were looking for something a little bit grittier at least from the wwf because you know you look at wcw you know roughly around the same time um the nwo in world championship wrestling was becoming a big thing they were slate they were positioned as villains but the crowds loved them you know they loved these these bad guys and i think those same fans were starting to get to uh, to like austin in the same way and i think i know why it's Here's the thing. Around the same time, WWF was ha- was experimenting with a lot of cartoony characters. Uh, Mantar, Bastion Booger, The Goon, you know, uh, Babyface Doink the Clown. Like, just... The, like, yeah, put it this way. A, a Hulk Hogan fan during the, late, the mid to late 80s is not necessarily going to be a Hulk Hogan fan in 94, 95. Right. And why is that exactly? I think it's because wrestling fans grew up, but it wasn't necessarily the companies that were growing up with them. You know, like to put put another way, um, Scotty, if you would indulge me, I, I want you to take a moment. I want you to like close your eyes, like think back to when you were a kid, like a really little kid, right? Yep. Like it's Saturday morning and you're and you're ready to watch like your favorite Saturday morning show could be a cartoon could could be anything right like Mm -hmm. like, I want you to think back to that show okay do you have that show in your head right now yeah yeah okay now you don't you don't have to tell me what it is but yeah like just have it in your mind now answer this question are you going to watch that same show today with that same fervor that you did when you were a little kid not a shot (laughs) yeah i mean you might watch it for like a nostalgia trip but right right you're gonna watch it 
with any sort of enthusiasm because not taste to week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the thing is, is that your tastes have changed over time. Mm-hmm. You don't want to watch that. You want something that's catered more to your interests as an adult. And I think a lot of wrestling fans at that time were starting to feel like their needs weren't being catered to. They didn't want the same, you know, the same sort of cookie cutter nonsense. It's why Hulkamania died out during this point and Hollywood Hogan became this this big character. It's why Hulk Hogan you know, had this new lease on life career-wise. And it's why Austin came this sort of you know, f- face of the company moving forward. Well, not at this point, but eventually he did. But generally speaking, fans, uh, long story short, um, fans started to love Austin. We're getting kind of tired of Brett, like simply put. Anyway, um, back on track here. We're looking at In Your House 13, Final Four. Now, Brett had returned to the company at this point, storyline-wise. And the main event of that In Your House show was a fatal four-way between Austin, Hart, Vader, and The Undertaker. Now, originally, this was supposed to be a match to crown a new number one contender for the WWF champion, who was, at the time, Shawn Michaels. But Shawn Michaels had relinquished the title and went away, infamously claiming he lost his smile. <laughs> and that is another <laughs> story that can we can expand upon. But generally speaking, Michaels was out of the picture. The company needed, needed a new champion. So at that show, Hart won his fourth WWF championship. This would not be a very long reign, however. The night after, in your house, on Rob, Brett, defended the title against Psycho Sid. The match saw Bret Hart getting the sharpshooter on Sid. Looked like he was going to win by submission. All of a sudden, Steve Austin rushes the ring, hits Bret in the head with a chair. Sid follows up with the powerbomb, wins the WWF championship. So things are getting a little more intense, a little more intense. You look forward, March 17th, 1997 edition of Raw, this is where things really blew up. This was the Raw before um, WrestleMania 13. Ah, the go-home show, as they like it's, to call it. Exactly, exactly. So this was a match, cap, uh, a show capped off by a cage match between Hart and Sid for the WWF Championship. Now, this match featured interference from Austin and The Undertaker. Undertaker was going to face Sid at Mania, like we said before. Now, it's important to note that during this match, Austin actually attempted to help Brett win the title. The reason being is that, yeah, if Brett had the title, their match at Mania would have been for the belt. So, you know, it's, it's a means to an end for Austin. He didn't like Brett, but hey, the idea of being the WWF champion by the end of Mania, it sounds pretty sweet. Did not happen, though. Sid would end up retaining the title. This would be followed up by Vince McMahon getting to the ring to attempt to interview Bret Hart, who shoves Vince on his ass and cuts this profanity-laced promo. You guys can look it up on YouTube. Look up Bret Hart snaps. You'll find at least a couple videos of this whole segment. And I love it to death. And I love it to death for two reasons. First reason, the promo itself. Brett is lambasting the company. 
saying he was screwed. Nobody does a goddamn thing about it. Nobody cares so much goddamn injustice. He should be the WWF champion. This was probably the edgiest promo the company had aired at the time. And all the more shocking considering it was coming from Bret Hart, who was for the longest time, the company's top babyface, right? Right. So that is, you know, this really did set the scene for the WrestleMania 13 match. That's the first reason I love it. This segment was because of that promo. Second reason, it's a secondary reason, but <laughs> it still makes me laugh. So the episode ends with Undertaker, Sid, Hart, and Austin all brawling outside of the ring or inside the ring in the case of Undertaker and Sid. So the, the other reason I like this segment is when Hart's ranting and going on, like he's calling out Sid to come back. So Sid's marching down to the ring and Hart's telling him like, that's my belt, you know it, I know it. And Sid, <laughs> Sid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sid just shouts. I can't even get through it. Okay. Sid goes, I don't know shit crap, baby. <laughs> I, every time I watch that segment and I get to that point, I crack up. It never, I, I've seen this, this particular segment many times now. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've replayed it. But every time I hear Sid shout, I don't know shit, crybaby, <laughs> I start cackling. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know what it is, man. With, with Sid, he can say the dumbest things or he can be part of the most insane angles. And yet he still comes off as an intense killer that the fans liked. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I love that segment. But yeah, that that's... um. That's the last bit of build before WrestleMania 13, which was when the submission match took place. Now, to ensure that this match was contained, or as contained as it could be, given how much these two hated each other, Ken Shamrock of the Ultimate Fighting Championship was going to be the special guest referee. This was his first real major appearance for the company before he would become a regular WWF wrestler. So, yeah, I think if you're going to have anybody be the guest referee, he was the good choice. Yeah. Um, so that was a great uh, rundown of, you know, how we get to the match. Because, you know, for me, you know, I can watch the uh, pre-match video, which wasn't – they weren't nearly as good back then, let me tell mm -hmm. you. Because I watched, I watched that before I rewatched the match this week. And I was like, man, this sure isn't like what it – it just wasn't it just wasn't nearly as good as you'd expect because it would only be like what a year or two later that they'd have some of the best work ever in terms of that but thank you for giving us that rundown because i think it gives you know all of us an appreciation of why this match was so heated when we got there and i just want to add this part about ken shamrock he was massive back yeah then. so like when I saw him come down into the ring, I was like, oh, my God, why is he Why is he so big? <laughs> because yeah, he, when Ken Shamrock's in WWE eventually, he is not nearly that swollen up, right? No, no, he had, he had shrunken down a little bit. Not not a whole lot, but he was no, still a but, 
jacked dude, but he looked like a bodybuild in that match. Yeah, yeah. And he I did. was like, I was like, geez, <laughs> oh, okay. But now we now we get to the match, and I think um, the best way to really start is, of course, the entrances, um, where Stone Cold has that you know that classic image of sorts where he has the Austin 316 glass and it shatters and it's just the coolest thing ever. And you, you watch that and I, like, I don't know how anyone watches that and doesn't like this guy is the man, you know, how do you, yeah. how does anyone watch that and think anything other than I like this guy, I'm going to cheer this guy and it works perfectly. Right. Um, <laughs> and before, I guess we really dig into the match itself. Stone Cold Steve Austin gives so much credit to this feud and this match for the reason he got to where he was, which is, you know, possibly the greatest wrestler in the history of WWE in terms of, you know, just an overall superstar. Um, and I say superstar, not as a WWE superstar. I say superstar as like a legitimate superstar in the world of wrestling. Right, you're not saying it as like a WWE branding term. You're saying it uh, in the most literal sense possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because not everyone's a superstar. Stone Cold Steve Austin was a superstar, um, and yeah, so that's that glass breaking, and then followed up by Brett, you know, being so serious, just kind of, you know, walking. And don't get me wrong, he often was very serious when he made his entrances. But there was just a vibe about him, which really carried from what you were talking about, of he was just ready to fight. He wanted to fight this guy with every part of his being. And really, that's where the match just got started. Um, you know, before I guess we you know, talk about some of our favorite parts of the match, which I'll let you do in a second. Uh, when this match was starting, do you like have any memories of like how you felt just going into it? Because, you know, we, we had that whole great um, build to this match. You know, we, we were, we were talking about survivor series or rumble. Like there was a lot of great build at a lot of big shows for this match. So I'm guessing the anticipation was high for you. Oh, absolutely. It was. I think that you look at, just the way the feud had built between these two and how the ties were changing, especially in terms of their designation with the fans. Look at Bret Hart. He had left after WrestleMania 12, came back, and it to him, it wasn't the same WWF that he knew. Like, things had changed. He was, to him, he was still the same, you know, the same sort of white hat wearing wrestler who would follow the rules and do his best. And yet the fans were more focused on Stone Cold. They were more focused on supporting this foul mouth Texan that would flip people off and curse and just right. be vulgar. There's almost the, the animosity stems from a bunch of different elements of that feud. But I think that was the big one. And you can definitely tell just how much disdain there was between these two, even before the bell rang, even, mm-hmm. you know, even before the bell rang, you can definitely sense that this was not going to be a traditional wrestling match. Yeah. And 
Uh, it, you know, it's funny because um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it was last week. Bailey had tweeted out a, you know, text exchange or maybe it was on Instagram with uh, Dax Harwood, who, of course, is, you know, major Bret Hart fan. And mm-hmm. she kind of gave away um, what she will be doing when she comes back of uh, give me like, you know, five matches of Brett, um, you know, working with his leg hurt pretty much, um, which, you know, it, you, you don't see that clearly, but that's obviously what they're going with. And I bring that up because this is the opposite. This is Bret Hart working the leg a lot of this match and not only working the leg, but masterfully decimating and wrecking the leg of Stone Cold Steve Austin, which kind of does have him in that heel role, right? Because, yeah, you know, what baby face is going to do that? A lot of those matches that Dax Harwood send into Bailey are with Bret Hart as a baby face that needs to fight back. So I think that tells you all you need to know. And I think that really was one of the main parts that stuck out to me in this entire match. I mean, I'll let you go through a few spots, of course, but I just was truly drawn into the way he was doing it and in the craftiness that he did it. I mean, the figure four around the ring post is an iconic spot. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the most iconic spot from this match, of course, but I think it's just so perfect because, you know, it's a submission match, so he can tap out there, right? And because, you know, it's funny when they're talking about it on commentary of how, like, it's a submission match, but it's also kind of an I quit match in their mind, <laughs> which I, I got a chuckle out of because I was like, you know, submission match is probably better if that was like the mindset behind it all. We don't see many submission matches either. This is probably the best one <laughs> ever um, with a brawler of all people. So I just thought, you know, the work of the leg was, you know, masterclass by, like you said at the beginning of the show, a master technician. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to, it's kind of interesting that you pointed out like, you know, Austin being more of a brawler because at this point he really wasn't. I mean, if you look at it, these are two guys that were more technical at the point, you know, working a more of a brawling wrestling style. Brett, obviously one of the greatest technicians of all time. I don't think that needs to be repeated. But by this point, Austin had not transitioned into a brawling wrestling style because it wasn't until down the line he had suffered the broken neck with this match with Owen. So by this point, he was still known for being more of a calculating, methodical, technical wrestler. So if you're going into this match with that mindset, you might be taken aback by just how little in the way of technical mastery there was. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing about this match was particularly pretty. It was just these two guys brawling. And while you know, starting out, like most of it took place outside of the ring. I think even JR on commentary noted that they spent about 30 seconds in the ring before they would spend several minutes outside of it going through the crowd. Um, you know, Austin suplexing Brett crotch first on the barricade, Brett sending Austin into the ring post, them fighting in the crowd, the camera not really being able to catch all the action because of so many people in the stands, but enough to the point where you know that this is getting intense really quickly. And I do like that you also brought up the, um, the targeting of Hart on Austin's knee. And I got to give Austin so much credit. He sold this 
perfectly mm-hmm. like early on like you can see him try to will himself back but his leg keeps visibly buckling underneath him like he's like he's trying his best to try to support it but he can't tries to drop austin with a surprise stunner uh, drop heart with a surprise stunner sorry tries doing that but you know brett's staying on him brett is staying on him he, he would even try to further injure austin's knee with the with the chair trying to pilmanize it like austin did to pillman austin keeps fighting back and you can and it's funny because during the match you can see some of the members of the Hart family specifically uh brett's daughter i don't know which one it was but it was her and Stu. you can see them looking at the match just watching intently seeing how this is going to go it's it's not a pretty match but it's an expertly an expertly worked match if that makes sense and that's why it's so good i think if it was pretty it wouldn't have fit uh why it wouldn't have fit the goal that they were going for right they were going for this you know kind of blood feud but also you have to use you have to bring the technician onto the brawler side of things while you have to bring the brawler on the technician side of things right it's a perfect mixture of okay well some of this needs to be pretty because it's a submission match but most of it should be gritty because that's where this feud has made us you know that's where the feud is at this point and i think that's just such a credit to both men that they were able to really intertwine styles to make such a phenomenal match and i was saying this to you before the show um you know by the end of this you just you just kind of sit there and you're like okay so this is like this is the definition of a five-star match you know we people Mm -hmm. toss around stars all the time and you know what's a five-star match now what's not this is this is a five-star match this this goes without saying um because of the I keep saying, you know, the mastery behind it, but, you know, they both deserve all the credit because, like you said, Austin was selling it like a million bucks. You know, he was making you believe that he just had nothing left, but at the same time, he wasn't going to give up. He's Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? He's not giving up. There's no way. And I think that's why this match worked so well because Brett wanted every part of him to make that man give up and that's what drove him at the end but of course we're not at the end yet uh but i just want to you know get that in there and and you know how you know it's ugly i mean they're fighting into the crowd of all places you have bret hart fighting into the crowd right he's leaving the ring because he wants to destroy this man yeah like brett very seldom took the offense to the outside at least not for an extended period like he did it before in certain matches, you know, like with Diesel. But if you look at his WWF singles career before this, he kept the action relatively in the ring. He wasn't somebody that would, you know, be so brazen as to bend the rules. Not so much here. And you can, and I think even the fans could tell this because from the entrances, you could hear the crowd you know, boo Austin a little bit, but was given mostly a positive reaction. You could see in the crowd, there's like that big Austin 316 sign made up of several smaller signs that spelled that Austin 316. Uh, Brett came out to a more mixed response and even commentary was making note of this. Like they were like, 
okay, Austin's getting a bit of a positive reaction. Brett's reaction's not as, you know, it's not as partisan, you know? It's, right. it was a precursor for what was to come later on in the match. Mm-hmm. And as the match unfolded, you saw slowly but surely the fan support shift from Brett and more so toward Austin. So yeah, definitely yeah, he- a match in that respect too he he played the heel part to perfection right that's the that's the goal of the heel even if we didn't know in you know heading into the match that bret hart was going to be the heel that's what he accomplished that was the goal of this match he had to get austin to you know this peak interest because that's where they were going and you were seeing the cracks show on a week-to-week basis and you know the best heels help make baby faces greater and that's why again this match is so special and so good is that it, it accomplished every single goal they set out to accomplish um you know we can talk about austin getting bloodied on the outside which leads to maybe the most iconic image in wrestlemania history which is saying a lot because there's a lot of images um you know there's um moments but there's images that just you know they stand the test of time and Mm -hmm. you know he gets bloodied on the outside not only does austin get bloody he has a uh you know crimson mask he is red from you know forehead down to his beard it is covering his entire face and it, it it i don't know how they perfected that because of you know we watch how the spot happens right and he kind of just rams his head into uh i think it was like i think he ran into like the uh ringside area yeah, um, the barricade. yes yes the barricade and he just perfectly has this pretty much this glaze of blood over his face and yeah. it's just it's all the right um it's all the right moments coming together in this match like without him having that perfect look on his face for later in the match. Is it still a phenomenal match? Absolutely. But it just adds to it. It's the value of blood in certain situations in wrestling. You don't need it for every match, but if you're able to do it in the right circumstances, it adds a level of grittiness and realism that can take a match from being just good to being great. And it made Austin look that much more sympathetic because not only is his knee f- up, absolutely fucked after having <laughs> it my heart throughout the match, not only is his knee shot, but now he's wearing the crimson mask, the blood's in his eyes, he's not able to fight as clearly. So if you want to bring more sympathy on Austin, that was the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like it, it, Blood, I think... I think we're starting to see in certain companies where, you know, blood might not be used in one and the other it's used too much. Right. And I, you know, I'm talking about WWE and AEW, of course. Um, And I think it comes a time where blood is used correctly and it's not. And I think this was that match where it was used to perfection because like I said, it was a blood feud. It felt right to have that blood and the fact that it was the brawler bleeding just Mm -hmm. continued that like okay well the technician had to get 
to that brawler mentality. And sure, did he pretty much just, you know, step out of the way and Austin opened himself up on the barricade? Yeah, but I don't know. There's just something perfect about it, right? Um, so I guess we can, you know, move along in the match. The chair, the chair to the leg, I popped for. You know, that's one of the things I popped yeah. for because Brett is going kind of insane now, right? He's made it to that next level of okay, I'm not being you know nice anymore. He he's smashing him in the leg, the leg that we're already saying is gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's not there anymore. And Austin's just oh, he's selling it like death. And you were you already talked about this, but I just I you know I'm, I'm going in order of my notes here, and it's just oh it's perfection. It is. It is. And like you said, Brett was getting desperate during the match. Austin's not staying down. Like he's putting Austin through all sorts of punishment. The man's not surrendering. So Brett's getting increasingly desperate. Austin's remaining gutsy throughout the entire match. And, you know, even though Austin is, you know, this gutsy performer in the match, he isn't above taking liberties, Mm -hmm. which, you know, as we get closer and closer to the match, you see it when he grabs the extension cord from the outside to Brett. Now, technically, if Brett, gave up while being choked by the extension cord, it would be considered a victory because you know, Brett submitted. Mm. So Austin's, you know, got heart wrapped in this extension cord on the outside. Austin's standing inside of the ring. Unbeknownst to Austin, Brett has the ring bell in his hands. Oh, Brett yeah. swings up over his head. Boom. Clocks Austin right in the forehead. <laughs> and and if Austin wasn't bleeding before, he certainly was after that one. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that that was a uh, stiff shot you could hear that one and uh it, it, it's another perfect spot right where you know austin's he it, he's not he's kind of desperate but at the same time he's not a technician so he's just going to use whatever's around to make brett tap out brett's at the point where he's like i can't lose this i need to yeah you know, i need to get out of this and the only way to get out of someone hanging you essentially with a wire is you use that ring bell and it was just, you know, such a perfect image. Uh, they shot it perfectly. And, you know, that's really where we get into the final stretch here, right? Yep. This is when Brett finally is able to lock in the sharpshooter Ooh. that does his opponent in. Austin's dead to rights. He is bleeding like a stuck pig. His knee, as we've established before, is fucked. You know, th- there's really no sort of give left in there blood seeping from his forehead austin's uh, trapped in the sharpshooter creating what is one of the most iconic images in not just wwf wwe but wrestling history yeah. like look back at some of the most historic matches or historic images from matches this ranks up there a bloody austin you know writhing in pain not giving up despite the fact that he's in this grueling submission hold that has put people away in seconds, which is also important to note because Brett had that sharpshooter on for a little over two minutes, which mm-hmm. may not seem like a long time if you, you know, if you look at it kind of in a vacuum, but consider the fact that Hart had tapped people out in a sharpshooter in seconds. Right. Austin's in this thing for over two minutes, you know, just doing his best to kind of get to the ropes, but he's not able to do it, not giving up. 
you know, there was a point where Austin came close to breaking the sharpshooter, but Brett's keeping this hold on. Like he's not letting go. Yeah. It <laughs> and, was perfect. Almost. Yeah. Gave you that little hope, but yeah, it did. It did. Like even the crowd was like, they, they came up a little bit because they thought, Oh my God, like, did they break? Did he break the sharpshooter? Like no one broke the sharpshooter. No, he didn't. He didn't. He almost did. But yeah. Brett kept that thing on like his life depended on it. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, um, Austin would succumb to exhaustion, blood loss. He would pass out due to exhaustion. Um, Shamrock noticed this, called for the bell, declared Brett the winner. Oh, perfect, right? Perfect finish. Mm-hmm. I think this is it, it. You didn't want Austin to tap. You don't want Austin to tap. That's not his character. And you don't want him to tap either because that's not going to uh, make Brett happy. Brett yeah. wanted that satisfaction of you tapped out. Yeah, he wants to beat him, of course, but he wants to make him tap out. And that just was, you know, perfect that he didn't. And, of course, as we saw after the match, Brett was not happy. No, he wasn't. You know, Brett's celebrating in the ring. You know, he won. You know, he won the match. Shamrock's still checking on Austin, who's not responsive. He's exhausted. He's out of it. He's not, he's not getting up anytime soon. Brett notices this, continues to attack Austin, kicks at the knee, tries to go for another sharpshooter. Shermock's like, I had enough of this shit. Just takes Hart, belly to backflips him off of Austin. You know, Hart stands up and he looks just, you know, outraged that Shermock would do this. But Shermock's like, he's like, he's looking like he's ready to go. Like he's in position, like, yeah, let's, let's go. Like you want to, want to be a tough guy? Let's, let's fight right now. Then Brett just kind of looks at him and just leaves the ring, makes his way back up the ramp. Crowd's booing him the entire way up yep. the ramp. Brett's mouthing off to fans, flipped one of them off. And this is officially where that heel turn finally kicks in. Meanwhile, Austin eventually recovers. A referee tries to help him up. Austin, despite the fact that he's kind of inching toward a babyface role, he's not going to be helped up by anybody. Drops the referee with a stunner. <laughs> <laughs> makes, his way, makes his way back up the ramp and the crowd's cheering for him they're chanting his name up the ramp and that is how you do a double turn in professional wrestling granted we've seen quite a few of them throughout wrestling history but for my money this is the best executed one not just in terms of the moment but just in terms of the aftermath and what the both both of them were able to do later on yeah, it's an it's a double turn that a lot of people say is the best in history, and I think you hit it on the head there. It's because of where they went from it, right? Uh, Brett was so good in that heel role, while Austin became the biggest babyface wrestling's ever seen, pretty much, right? Like we could say Hogan, but for that couple of year period where Austin was on top, no one touched him, no one came close, and again it's this match really that got him or catapulted him from, you know, rising star future champion to superstar, right? Because sure. He didn't have his official, you know, crowning moment until the year after, but you know, it, we all believed, right. It was there. We knew, we knew that this was, this was the guy now 
um, it took some time, of course, and you know, few people will say that you know having Vince McMahon the he, Mr. McMahon the heel character is really what got him from uh, you know great all time babyface to maybe the best. But without this match against Brett, which without the way they told it of him passing out instead of not tapping out, you know, the blood on his face dripping down, Brett taking that turn after the match. It is, uh, how do I say this? Pro wrestling bliss. You know, it's, it's magic. It's, you can't replicate it. People try, you know, people try to replicate these moments, but you can't replicate it. You got to come up with something fresh because you can't, perfect it like this this was perfectly done on this night and it's really the perfect reminder that wwe has a lot of brilliance in its up and down history as a overall um, promotion right Uh, and you have two all-timers doing it right it takes the wrestlers a lot of the time WWE booking can be bad. WWE creative can be bad. But if you have two all-time guys, they can guarantee it no matter what. And don't get me wrong, the booking for this match and going into this match was great. But it's, sometimes it just takes two all-time guys to tell the story. It's You know, you can't do this with... Uh, you can't do this with people like... Uh, I was going to name some people, but I'll be nice. <laughs> I'll be nice. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call any wrestler show, but it's just okay. it's just perfect. And it I'm so happy we got to talk about it because you know you 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 alluded to it. The aftermath from here is uh you know there's it's not called host Austin Mania because that's Hulkamania, but it's whatever that is, right? It's the the amazing run of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this was the last Bret Hart WrestleMania match until that, you know, fake one he had against Vince McMahon, but this is really yeah. his last one, you know, the, the yeah. angles that they go from here, right? Bret and the Montreal Screwjob, Stone Cold becomes the guy and the face of the company and the moneymaker and the guy that, you know, they might have WrestleMania, have main event WrestleMania here in 2022 because there's no bigger star than him in wrestling right that, like that's the whole thing every moment for these two really you know come from here and it just it's so interesting to look back on because there's a lot of what ifs like what if bret hart doesn't leave wwe what if if Bret Hart doesn't leave WWE, isn't isn't he probably being the one to put over Austin at the WrestleMania, right? That's potential, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it, had had things gone differently, contract wise, money wise, I believe that Bret would have stuck around. He probably would have retired in the early two thousands. But regardless, I would imagine that that wouldn't be the only WrestleMania match between Bret and Austin, just because. Like you said, these are two professionals working together and putting on a great match like professionals should. When you get two guys of that top you know, caliber, you can't really expect anything less than greatness. And yes, they both you know, went on to do different things, not just in the WWF, but elsewhere. 
after this feud, you know, I should say after this match, Brett would form the new Hart Foundation with mm. Owen, Jim Neidhart, uh, Bulldog, and Pillman became the anti-American stable that was beloved internationally. Yeah. And I'm of the opinion that Brett is a better babyface than he is a heel. That said, I love this particular part of his career because it gave him, you know, it gave his character new life during a time when it really needed, you know, it needed a bit of a change. And this was great. His, I feel like his promo work had been improved in tremendously because he had something to really um, dig his teeth into. And just some of the quotes that he, that he said were in promos were very funny. Like, you know, if you were to give the United States of America an enema, you'd stick the hose in Pittsburgh or, <laughs> you know, do you ever wonder why the United States looks like a giant toilet bowl? It's because most <laughs> Americans are full of crap, <laughs> like things like that, like things like that are kind of funny and you don't expect them from Brett, but it, it made sense for his character. Meanwhile, like you said, Austin would have his meteoric rise to the top of pro wrestling. And I would say that short of Hogan and Rock, he is the greatest, you know, the biggest name in professional wrestling history. Now that could be a topic for another, you know, another time, but I think if you're going to look at like top earning stars throughout wrestling, like Austin has to be at the top, right? Or at least in the top three. I mean, from everything we've ever heard, right? He's still he's still the draw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he's think still about, the draw just t-shirts alone. Yeah, like think about how many like if I were to like list off like the most iconic wrestling t-shirts, Austin 316 would be on there, NWO would be on there, Bullet Club would be on there, the the CM Punk shirt with the, the, the first white three one. were all black and white. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, Very it, would, it would be that. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I don't mean to get off topic, but the point is is that these are some iconic designs and Austin 316 still makes money. It's one of the, you still see it at wweshop.com for a reason. They're not going to stop making that thing as long as they're still working with Stone Cold. That that shirt's still going to be mass produced and sold. We're about to see it at WrestleMania in a week. Yeah, <laughs> a week we from might today, a week from today yeah, actually. Yeah, Kevin Owens talk show fight brawl match whatever it's supposed to be. I'm not too sure. They they've been uh, kind of they haven't been forthcoming with all the details there, but uh, but I don't know what it's going to be. It could be a a terrible talk show segment. It could be a kind of weak brawl. I don't really know. But if you don't think I'm going to mark out the minute <laughs> that, that that glass shattering is heard, you're out of your goddamn mind. I'm, I'm mean, marking. I mean, I'm going to give credit to Kevin Owens for the angle he did on Raw. Right? I thought that was you know one of the best angles they've done in a long time of the double you know you do the first glass and you're like oh shit but you're like yeah you know it's probably just kevin <laughs> that second one though and the way kevin like looks back it was like ah oh, you got me right, right? you rem- got me very reminiscent of the Shawn michaels hulk hogan feud when mm. oh, when austin um not austin but michaels teased that bret hart was going to yes here but he didn't so it in montreal of all places so funny how we connect all those things um it's it's uh it's just so man wrestling's cool that way like yeah you can connect all these things and it's back to brett and stone cold in a way um 
I guess we'll, you know, kind of end it here with, you know, you said how it's in your top five. It's not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> what, you know, just to give an idea to the people, like what matches do you have in that discussion, right? In your top five, you know, or, you know, your top matches of all time, your favorite matches of all time, because I think that gives a good grasp of like the great i mean saying top five is great but giving people an idea of like matches that you've seen that you said yeah these are the greatest that i've seen yeah absolutely so if i were to look through like some of the best matches that i would rank up there 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 are a few um kota ibushi versus shinsuke nakamura at wrestle kingdom i really like that one a lot um Bailey versus Sasha Banks at mm-hmm. Takeover Brooklyn. Really love that one. I would say, you know, FTR, well, the Revival versus DIY. Any one of them, like take yeah. your pick. I'll, I'll take any one. I'm guessing you mean specifically, but yeah, they're all phenomenal. Yeah, like any one of those, you you can take whichever one. Um, you know, Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania. Like you said, that one's also. One of those matches I can watch anytime and not get bored. I just, I love that one to death. Uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc, mm. which is one of the showcase matches in WWE 2K22, if you played yeah. it. That, that's the that's first an- one I played and the only one I played because I wanted the Halloween Havoc uh, attire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I that, that to me, like even, I had my problems with showcase mode, but when I played that match, that was like, Okay, that that's 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 a happy moment. Like yeah. the, the endorphins are running high. I like this. I one. like the way they did it. I really like the way they did it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But I think if I were to list off some of my favorite matches, like obviously yeah. those would be in the discussion. And yeah. like I said before, they may change in terms of ranking. They may drop off. But Brett versus Austin at Mania thirteen, it's not going anywhere. Sure, sounds like a number one, Robbie. It, I, I yeah. I think, I think number one, just well, based on the match itself, the aftermath, its place in history, the fact that it had the best double turn in wrestling. Yeah, it's, it's number one. I mean, I guess I should tell everyone, like, I, I let you pick the match. I didn't pick this match. Like, I, mm-hmm. the, the whole point of the show is I have someone on, they pick the match, and we talk about it. Um, and it just happened to perfectly come at WrestleMania time. So that's probably why. But, you know, it's... I think it's always special for wrestling fans who talk about old wrestling matches because there's so much wrestling today and you really, you can't always go back, right? There's not enough time, but, but when you do and you get to go back and talk about it and just relive it, it's always so special. Right. And I think this was the perfect match to do. So I'm so happy that you came on here. Um, you know, you've been on multiple times in the past, but this was very different from the other opportunities. And I'm sure you'll be back on because you just named a list of matches we can go back and talk <laughs> about. Um, some that I was actually, you know, around OC. So they'll have a little more input from me. Um, but thank you. Thank you for coming on. I, I always love having this co- these conversations with you. I love, you know, I was able to learn a little bit, which is my goal with these. Um, you know, just kind of the feeling going into the show, you know, at WrestleMania 13 in 97, uh, because 
I was two years away from being born. So, you know, I didn't watch it. Um, but, the, <laughs> but really, thank you. And uh, I think you, you perfectly broke it down. And for anyone that wants to get a more uh, written version of this, of course, you can go on last word on sports.com slash pro wrestling. Robbie has an article up about it right now. It's definitely worth checking out. I've heard about this match twice. Like I wrote about, like I wrote about the match itself and I wrote about the rivalry between Brett and Austin. Right, right. Well, it gives you a little different, you know, it gives you a little yeah. different taste of it. Yeah, you can call me obsessive. You might not be totally off base, but yeah, I, I definitely look any opportunity I get to talk about this match or write about this match, I'm going to take it. Even this podcast was really no, nothing more than just an excuse for me to go on and chat you up about one of my favorite matches of all time. So, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of how I feel about, you know, Cena and Punk. Like, I would do the same exact thing. I'd write about that match, but they have a rivalry right to it that goes before and after. So it's, you know, I, I get that feeling, and I'm happy that you were able to come on here um, and we could just talk about this because when wrestling's great, it is great. And, you know, you we had a joke, you and me, a few weeks ago on Twitter of, like, you, I said, let's talk about wrestling. You're like, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? I was like... <laughs> I was like, well, you might be watching the wrong thing. And yeah, we went on a little spiel there for a few, but it it can suck. That goes without saying, but when it's yeah. great, there's nothing better. Um, and this is, this is one of those, uh, this is one of those times where there's nothing better. Uh, but Robbie, thank you again for coming on. And uh, I hope you enjoy, you know, the WrestleMania festivities, you know, it's not just WrestleMania. There's so much wrestling this coming yeah. week. Um, as someone that you know took a little time off to really take it all in, uh, I guess we can go you know quick through this. You know, you got WrestleMania Saturday, you got WrestleMania Sunday, but you got mm-hmm. the collective, which you have done some great work on. Last word on sports, really, you know, taking that by the head because you are our chief GCW uh, officer, which you know could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, whichever. No, (laughs) no matter how you feel about uh gcw the collective is often a very uh, enjoyable watch from all the wrestling involved uh but i sound like work for the embassy like what the fuck bro (laughs) (laughs) oh i had to give you some title uh i could have called you something with nwa so watch it (laughs) brother don't Uh, log the fuck off right now <laughs> but <laughs> we also got some great WrestleCon shows which i'm really looking forward to featuring uh new japan lone star which looks like a very good show uh new japan strong roster plus i believe minoru suzuki and tomohiro ishii for anyone that is interested um, I think a lot of people enjoyed them, as do I. Uh, we got, you know, Impact Multiverse of Matches, which eh, eh, there's some good, some bad. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I, could, I could give you some complaints, but overall pretty good. And of course, which is probably thinking about the biggest non-WWE event is the return of Ring of Honor uh, with Super Card of Ooh. Honor. I think that's a very exciting show, of course with the AEW ties and the card that we have up. I mean, your top two matches are Jonathan Gresham versus Bandito and the Briscoes versus FTR. I mean, come on, right, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Say what you will about the Briscoes. 
come on. Like they they they're legitimately in ring wise one of the best tag teams. And you put them in the ring with FTR, who is you know arguably the you know the greatest tag team going right now. Like shoot, <laughs> it's it's gonna be good. Like everything, like most of the things I'm excited for this Mania week from Mania itself to a degree. Uh, GCW shows, Mission Pro, uh, the Impact stuff that's being done, the you know the the Ring of Honor Supercard, like a lot of stuff's happening. It's going to be a very busy week, and I'm very excited to see uh, what comes out of it. Yeah, it, it it's the best it's the best week for us wrestling fans, really, because you get a little bit of everything. You get you know you get the WWE stuff, but you know WrestleMania is still WrestleMania. We can make fun of some of the card all we want, but we still got big matches. We got Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. That should be fantastic. We yeah. got Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. We got Stone Cold Steve Austin making his way back, and he's going to make his entrance in Texas of all places, and that place is going to rock. We have Seth Rollins versus, well, I'm not going to bring him up around Robbie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we got uh, the American Nightmare, potentially, uh, which is... Which, you know, I am very excited for. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think the way mm-hmm. Seth has single-handedly built it has mm-hmm. actually been one of the best things he's done in his career, truthfully. I think that's yeah. – R- Rollins has done a lot of great stuff, and I know some people have got soured on him, uh, you know, over the past years. And, you know, no, no, uh, some fault to his own because, you know, he said things and whatnot. But – it comes down if, to if, you, if you know who shows up to be Ron's opponent at Mania, just a random question. Do you think he gets his WWE theme? Do you think his old WWE theme? Does he get uh, his, does he get to keep his current theme or does he get he a owns Def his Rebel? current theme? Well, so. do, do you think he gets to use that or do, do you think they give him like a Def Rebel new, oh, new theme? Um, well. <laughs> I I'm starting to get under the suspicion he gets his song. I I really am because you know Russell votes kind of hinted at it this week, and you know people can say what they want about Russell votes. I think they're more wrong, uh, more wrong, more right than they often are wrong. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I think if you are, you know, if he, if you don't announce who it is officially until WrestleMania, and that song hits it's a moment, right? It's a moment because yeah. it's not dashing. It's not uh smoke and mirrors. It's nothing. It's not that it's, it's the theme song that is part of who became a bigger star outside of WWE. So I think that'll be such a great moment. And I'm just really excited. Um, you know, like I said, we can say all we want about WrestleMania, but it's still WrestleMania. It still brings those butterflies, um, it still brings those exciting moments, and you know some of the build might be bad, but some of the matches might not jump off the screen either. But it's still WrestleMania. Yeah, this is like Christmas for wrestling fans. So if if we seem a little more uh, excited on Twitter and other social media that week, more so than usual, it's because we have all this wrestling we need to consume. Probably not going to be able to consume all of it, but we'll do our best to get through it (laughs) yeah you gotta pick and choose on these shows unfortunately but there's a lot to choose from uh we got you know four days of enjoyment so it should be a fun ride 
uh robbie thank you again for coming on and uh make sure to have you on again in the future sounds good sky thanks so much for having me on always a pleasure to talk to you my man and uh yeah can't wait to uh, discuss another another favorite match whichever one that may be we'll see uh we'll see when the time comes but thank you